Cranberry juice. What is it, your period? Call it. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. He slimed me. That's great! Actual physical contact! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. In this town, your luck can change just that quickly. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. Ooh, that's a bingo! <laughs> well, if you're listening to this, I guess that means that we didn't scare you away after our first episode. So, welcome back. It's episode two of Take Two. I'm Wesley Boone. I'm joined by my good friend, Andrew Sharer. Andrew, I know you're really excited about this episode. We're at that time of the year where, you know, lists start coming out of nominations, and you're a list guy. And I, what better place to start than with the 2020 Golden Globe nominations? I can, I can almost hear your hands rubbing together because you're so excited. I can hear your smile because, yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a happy camper. Um, first off, uh, personally, uh, was there anyone for you that you were really surprised either wasn't nominated or was nominated in, in, in any category? So I was surprised um, mainly because uh, we'll talk about it later. Um, I was surprised, but it's because I didn't see the movie until Tuesday. So we got the nominations on Monday. I was surprised on Monday to see Ana de Armas nominated for Best Actress. And I I was surprised because I I think I told you this, Wesley. You know, after seeing the movie, that is a, one of the better ensemble cast movies I think I've ever seen. I mean, there's so many great actors and actresses in that film. And I was like, okay, Ana de Armas is in it, maybe her little breakout kind of role, and she just stole the whole film for me. So while I was surprised that she got nominated, I'm actually very happy that she got nominated. I think we'll, we'll talk about it later. But so when I saw her name at first, I was, um, I, I'll have to say I was kind of shocked. Um, and also just really quickly, uh, maybe this will lead into the next discussion. I was surprised. I haven't seen Little Women, um, but I was kind of shocked to see Greta Gerwig not nominated for Best Director. Uh, for me, just out of the things that I have seen and looking at all the hype and, uh, We'll uh, we'll take a closer look at some of the nominees here in a second, but with all of the love that The Irishman is getting uh, as a masterpiece and uh, Joe Pesci being nominated, Al Pacino being nominated, the film itself being nominated, uh, no, no love for Robert De Niro, and I'm I'm not uh, I'm I'm not necessarily saying he should have been nominated, but just from from that perspective, everyone else being nominated and not De Niro was surprising to me, my personal opinion, and I think you share in it as well, is that, uh, I, I mean, I, I get it. I see why he wasn't nominated. I was not very impressed with his performance, in, in my opinion. Pretty run-of-the-mill De Niro that we've gotten over the course of the last decade, uh, for sure, in terms of whenever it just seems like he's, I don't know, he's at a point in his career where he's just like that energy's not really there, uh, and uh, I, I'm not going to go into choices that you make as an actor. I just wasn't necessarily super captivated by his character. We talked about it last week. I cared more about uh, some of the secondary characters. I didn't find uh, his story necessarily that interesting, and obviously the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, didn't as well. Uh, one of the things now I'd like to get into, we can kind of uh, start going through some of these 
some of these uh, categories and these nominations. We'll 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 hit on the big ones. We'll talk about some surprises. We'll uh, we'll tell you our favorites too while we're doing it. So, uh, starting off in the film category, we're gonna focus more on the film category. This is uh, take two, supposedly the best movie podcast ever. So. Don't want to isolate the TV people, but we we will focus more on film. So, best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Dolomite is my name. I just watched it, Andrew. I watched it this evening, and it was so much fun. What a fun movie. It it, it makes me sad that Eddie Murphy spent the better part of the last five or six years in hiding. Uh, So, seeing that nominated is nice. Rocket Man, Taron Edgerton gives... One of the performances of the year playing Elton John. That's a fun time. Knives Out, you just saw it yesterday. You loved it. It's a great movie. Jojo Rabbit, another movie I got to see a couple weeks ago. Finally got to kind of see what all the fuss was about. I love, I love, I love this movie. It's such a fun time. Uh, It's not what a lot of people expected. Um, They thought it would be a little bit sharper, but it is definitely... uh, uh, one of those movies where if you kind of tamper your expectations and, and realize what you're in for, you're really going to enjoy it. And then uh, what I believe is, you know, your favorite movie of the year and probably one of your favorite movies ever, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which looks to be the favorite for this category. And, I mean, hell, it might end up being a favorite for Best Picture for the Academy Awards. So uh, out of those five... Uh, I mean, I feel like I know your answer, but what do you think's leading the pack? What do you think's the biggest long shot? Yeah, I think it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, my second favorite movie of the year, if I must. Um, but uh, you know, I love Quentin Tarantino. I just that movie was a masterpiece in my opinion, every every sense of the way. It was funny. Um, it had its moments, uh, you know, drama wise. I mean. We saw the cinematographer. It's just a beautiful movie, and I think it. Um, I want to say five nominations in total. So I think, I think that's your given. Um, I think your long shot here is going to be Dolomite. Is my name. Um, I think the fact that it got nominated speaks volumes in itself. Uh, I was shocked it got nominated. Um, but look, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. I will watch it. Um, Eddie Murphy's great. I mean, come on. I mean, you mentioned it. I haven't seen it, but I know that. He should not have been out of work for the last few years or however however long it's been. So that's kind of my long shot. Um, but once upon a time in Hollywood, definitely, I think, is going to take this category. Um, but look, Knives Out was fantastic. So I, I think, you know, they're kind of maybe a, a dark horse. But I think I think once upon a time in Hollywood's got it locked up. It's funny you say that about Dolomite because I agree with you there. I do think it's the long shot. And that's a, that's a funny thing because Eddie Murphy is someone who, uh, I mean – uh, he's a legend at this point, and this is his best performance in in years. Uh, and it, it's so great to see him really sort of embody Rudy Ray Moore, who the movie is 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 based on. I think you're really going to like it. Uh, the only musical on the list, Rocket Man, a movie that I I mean, whenever it's all said and done, it, it will be in my top ten favorite movies of the year. Uh, I that. I was happy to see it get nominated. Whenever you see some of these movies, Andrew, that that release, you know, in May, or uh, I, I think Tarantino's immune to this, but even July, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, a lot of times, um, I, I, me personally, I, I'm afraid that they're going to get lost in the shuffle because they're mm-hmm. still so long until awards season. So I, I was happy to see Rocket Man 
uh, get the recognition I thought it deserved. Even just the nomination there, uh, that's that that feels good. So moving into the drama category, we'll, we'll go through this list here. Also a list of five. Um, starting this list off, a movie that I haven't seen, a movie that I don't think you've seen, a movie that <laughs> I don't really have any desire to see, a movie that has been heavily nominated, um, surprisingly. Um, and that is The Two Popes. Um, I, from what I can gather, the film uh, focuses on multiple popes, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that I'm assuming that uh, uh, it, it must be pretty solid. A lot of people didn't see it coming, and you know, here it is, nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Drama. Moving on up the list, Joker, uh, such a polarizing film, uh, sort of overtook the world. Uh, it's become the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. One of the most profitable films of all time. Audiences really resonated with this movie and time and time again have proved that this character uh, is important in sort of our pop cultural zeitgeist at this point. This is something people care about. And uh, just look at the box office tallies for that. Joaquin Phoenix, a phenomenal performance. So seeing that nominated, not a surprise, 19 17 sam mendez's new world war one picture uh again uh, not in wide release yet will be in limited release on christmas day i know you're excited to see it i'm excited to see it it's on both of our list of marriage story a film that at least recently on social media has become something that a lot of people have been talking about for i'd say more bad than good reasons uh, another netflix film the second on this list and then Last but not least, uh, at least what, what, what I think is the sort of front runner in this category, at least for the Golden Globe, uh, The Irishman, uh, a film we talked in depth about last week. That's Netflix's third movie on this list. They've got four wow. movies, four movies nominated for Best Picture out of these two categories. Marriage Story, The Irishman, The Two Popes, and Dolomite is my name. So Netflix really uh, standing out again for a second consecutive year andrew looking at this best best motion picture drama list uh what's your biggest surprise what's your favorite what do you want to win um uh, you know it's my biggest surprise here multiple um, popes andrew multiple popes well look so i that yeah that <laughs> I kind of expected two popes, so just from what I heard, I from what we read, and it's you know expected December twentieth on Netflix. Um, I kind of expected it to get some kind of love, uh, so I, I kind of I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say nineteen seventeen is my surprise. I guess what? Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. okay. Just because well, you you gotta think. You, I mean, we know how we know how the Golden Globes are. At least we think we do, and they are kind of. They are different. I think that's the really nice, mild way to put it. They are different people. They have different opinions. And Marriage Story was a lock. Joker was a lock. The Irishman's a lock. Between the rest, it would have been either Two Popes or 1917. Now, here's the thing, though. Um, you know, at, at the uh, at, they can't... Uh, they're, the Golden Globes does not allow foreign film. So last year, Roma couldn't get in. Uh, for Best Motion Picture Drama, uh, Parasite can't get in there. I think Parasite's going to get a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. That's my opinion. Um, and I think, for example, that would probably be over 1917. 
because um, for some reason, everyone loves the two popes. So I, I kind of expected the two popes to be in there. Um, and I'm not saying 1917 is a bad film. I, yourself, a lot of people will enjoy 1917 way more than two popes. But it's an award show, so honestly, kind of maybe I just got picking one. I'm going to pick 1917. I think Irishman's the front runner, while Joker and Joaquin Phoenix is like the Golden Globe baby child. I feel like I don't think it'll win Best Picture, so I think Irishman's got it. But I mean, look, Marriage Story right there. I mean, that's seems like a movie they all kind of want to push further in. So I don't know, but um. Yeah, I, I just, I'd say 1917, and it's just, I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about it. It's funny you say that, because I look at this list, and I look at uh, the people behind the camera, and I look at the two popes. I'm not familiar with who, uh, with with who's directed, really with anything about the movie. Um, I look at 1917, Sam Mendes, someone who has... Uh, been recognized by the Hollywood foreign press before 1917. A lot of buzz in terms of, uh, at least from a technical perspective, the movie uh, at least will be presented as one long take. Uh, it's being sh- it's being shot by Roger Deakins, legendary cinematographer. It's got all these things going for it. That's not the surprise for me on the list. The surprise is the two popes, but kind of like you said i mean it just seems like the kind of movie jonathan price anthony hopkins jonathan price has found himself a part of some really some strange nominations if you remember last year uh the front runner for best leading actress and the academy awards well who was it? it was glenn close and it was for a movie called the wife which wasn't critically well received jonathan price was in that movie uh and obviously she gets upset by Olivia Coleman, but I think it's funny to see for a second consecutive year, sort of Jonathan Price kind of just just uh, inching his way into these conversations when I don't know if he should be there. Um, you you said Parasite, you feel will be nominated for uh, for Best Picture. I I I I I haven't seen it. I really want to watch it. I I I I want to be in on it. I want to be able to talk to you about it because you, you've been passionate about this movie since you saw it. Um, and I don't know much about it, but from where it's trending, I, I think I agree with you. I think it, it will get nominated for Best Picture. So uh, going down now, we'll, we'll go into the acting category. So we have uh, Best Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture. And this category is dominated by The Irishman, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, both nominated in this category. Brad Pitt nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tom Hanks nominated for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Anthony Hopkins nominated as one of the two popes. Two in that, popes. In that crazy buddy comedy, The Two Popes. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, who do you think thinks the favorite? Who do you think's the long shot? So I was surprised. I mean, when me and you, we talked about it, I guess we actually, maybe on the podcast, we talked about it, how I thought, in my opinion, I loved Al Pacino in that movie. And I was actually surprised to see him and Pesci get Get the nods, even though I enjoyed Pacino more than Pesci in the movie. But it's it. it I was kind of happy to see them both get it. Um, but looking at this list, um, I think it's Tom Hanks, right? I think he's going to get it, right? I, it's funny you say that because him my, or Pesci. My God, if that Brad Pitt performance wasn't my favorite on that list. Oh, I know it was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just it was so damn cool. 
I, I felt cool just watching it. I was like, I felt like some of the coolness just kind of rubbed off on me. Like, my, I mean, you think murdering your wife is cool? Looking at the, <laughs> looking <laughs> at this, looking at this list, um, I, I, I don't know if it's Tom Hanks. I feel like this is this is more of the Hollywood Foreign Press saying, "Hey, like here's a movie where Tom Hanks is sort of front and center, but still kind of off to the side." It's more about the journalist, mm. the journalist profiling him. Uh, it, 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 I haven't seen it yet. I'd, I'd like to watch it. I love Tom Hanks. Who doesn't love Tom Hanks? If you don't love Tom Hanks, you need to go see someone. There's probably some things you need to work out inside of yourself. But uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. Like, because both of those performances in The Irishman are are wonderful in such very different ways. Um, Joe Pesci gives such a, in my opinion, sort of kind of cool low-key performance it's so good to see him in the movie and i just feel like pacino while as good as he is in the movie uh kind of plays up to what we've seen pacino doing for the last 30 years uh he does a lot of yelling he's angry a lot people people like it when he, he does a lot of yelling and he's angry a lot um i'm gonna go brad pitt i in my heart of hearts i think brad pitt's gonna win win the golden globe for this uh, but if i'm being if i'm being honest I think it's it's anyone's race uh, in that category. So moving over to the supporting role in any motion picture for an actress, um, an, another category where I feel like it's pretty open. You've got Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. Kathy Bates, she is loved by the Hollywood foreign press, and this is this this sort of nomination is right up her alley. She just keeps tabulating them, keeps adding them to her resume. Annette Bening. She's been nominated for The Report, to a movie that I believe is on Amazon right now. Uh, I, I want to watch it. haven't got to watch it yet. Laura Dern. My God, Laura Dern. She is just, she's, she is, at least right now, she's, she's still in the middle of a moment. She's proving it with this movie. She's uh, a standout on, on Pretty Little Lies, a series I haven't watched yet, but she's got a lot of love from the Hollywood watch press it. for that as well. Uh, here it. she is popping up on this list for her for her role as a uh, lawyer in Marriage Story. Jennifer Lopez finds her name on the list for Hustlers, a movie that turned a profit for STX earlier this fall in September. Uh, and then Margot Robbie for her role in Bombshell, a movie that actually comes out this week that I think we're both excited to see. Um, Andrew, looking at this list, you you know the drill. What's, who's your favorite? What's What's the long shot for you here? Yeah, so um, I I think for for starters, let me say I think it's gonna go to Laura Dern. Um, which I mean, look, we will talk about it later. Marriage Story. We're gonna intertwine these discussions. Um, I I don't know. She played a lawyer. I, I didn't really. It wasn't, it wasn't like a performance that I thought it was a good performance, but it wasn't something that really blew me away. But what I've started to notice is that a lot of these supporting roles. I mean, it's. There's a select few times where I feel like maybe a supporting role can really move you. Um, it just depends on the screen time, I guess, in my opinion. But it was good performance. But, um, you know, funny enough about this, I haven't seen any of these movies except Marriage Story. Um, I haven't seen The Report. Uh, I'm seeing Richard Jewell Saturday. I For some reason, I thought Richard Jewell was going national December 25th. I found out it's coming to New Orleans this Saturday, so I'm going to see it. So I'm super yeah, pumped. Yeah, I, I believe um, it's national. opening on the 13th, it is. right? Um, so I'm excited to see that. So um, 
here's what I'll say I was surprised with. I was surprised to see Kathy Bates because I haven't... That's so weird because no, I look it's... at this list, I think she's the favorite. And I haven't seen the movie yet. But knowing I, I, I how think, much, I, I think Laura knowing how much these favorite. people love her, ah, I mean... I, 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 don't think, I, I don't think she deserves it, but I think she might be the favorite. I gotta separate the two here. And I'm saying I'm surprised by Bates. I love Kathy Bates. Who doesn't love Kathy Bates? I mean, as a kid, probably the first non-horror movie to scare me in my opinion, like that wasn't monsters, was misery. As a kid, misery scared. The uh, okay, well, let's not have that comment. That's a We're, that's a horror. That's a horror movie through and through. So I, I know, but as a kid, it wasn't like you know. As a kid, you think horror movies is jumping out jump scares. I mean, I was a kid when I saw that movie, but I, it yeah, wasn't. That's a terrifying movie. Um, but anyway, um, but no, I I think she she probably deserves it. I'm probably gonna watch Richard Jewell and say, man, Kathy Bates just murdered it because she looks, you know, from everything I'm hearing, she's great in it, but. I didn't hear that awards hype for her. I heard it for maybe Clint gets back on the track with his directing. I didn't really hear it for Kathy Bates. So that's why I was a little surprised and happy to see her on the list. Um, I haven't seen the report, um, so Annette Betting was weird to see, um, you know, just going off of hype. I know we've heard Jennifer Lopez's name with Hustlers. We've heard Margaret Roby. So a little surprised by Bates and Benning. But, um, again, probably I'm thinking I'm going to see Richard Jewell and say Kathy Bates deserves this award. So uh, I'm I'm so so your lock is Laura Dern and your long shots Kathy Bates. Right? That would be fair to say. That's what I okay. think it's going to be. Yeah, so I got to say. I I think that the lock is Kathy Bates, and I think Laura Dern gets a nomination here because she's in the middle of her moment. But I don't think I, I it's I, I mean I I feel arrogant saying this because I haven't watched these other movies, but I I think Laura Dern's in the mix because of the moment. I don't know how realistic it is she has a shot of winning this. Just from the things I've read about Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers and knowing how much the Hollywood Foreign Press loves Annette Bening, uh, that's another kind of feels like a legacy nomination. Seeing her front and center in something that's actually good, it makes these people happy. Uh, and also Bombshell comes out this week. I've read a lot of mixed things, but one of the consistent things I've read, Margot Robbie's really good in it. So maybe we'll... Uh, get some answers as we actually get to see these movies so moving on into best actor in a motion picture musical or comedy daniel craig nominated for knives out i would watch 10 movies where daniel craig spoke in a southern accent i would i, I just i love it so much <laughs> leo obviously for once upon a time in hollywood taron edgerton for rocket man so happy to see him here and eddie murphy for dolomite is my name the the stunner here Roman Griffin Davis, who plays yeah. the main character in Jojo Rabbit, uh, a, a movie that's getting a lot of love. Uh, this was a this was a surprise, and I think it yeah. puts him in I puts him in long shot territory in this category. It is. Uh, yeah, you don't have to ask who, for who sure. Do you, who do you think's going home with it? I think it's Leo through and through. I think I, mean, I don't really have much to say on it. I, I think he's going to get it. Uh, I, I kind of. Um, I think me and you discussed it at the time. I know you liked Pitt a little more. I liked Leo, and I kind of. I kind of think Leo's going to get a nomination in for the Academy Awards, and I think he's he's got it for a lock here. Um, I think I was a little... I mean, Roman Griffin Davis is the surprise. Um, I was a little surprised to see Craig nominated, but, you know, I saw the movie. I loved it. Um, Taron Ederson knew that was coming. So Eddie Murphy, a little bit of a surprise, too. But I think, obviously, Roman Griffin Davis, surprise. Leo's taking it home. I, I um, I'm interested to see how this plays out because 
this might be one of these scenarios where the Hollywood foreign press feels obliged to not to recognize someone who might not be recognized by the Academy. And mm-hmm. I, I feel That's like true. because of that, Taron Edgerton might have a really strong shot at, at winning in this particular category. When it comes to the Academy Awards, I, I, I don't feel it. But for some reason, I'm feeling he might have a shot here. Uh, and, I, the, you know, the long shot being uh, Roman Griffin Davis from Jojo Rabbit, who is he's exceptional in the movie. Uh, I, I would, I'm going to lean towards Taron. I, I really liked his performance. And I, I, really? I, I have, hmm. yes. I mean, if I'm looking at this list and I had to tell you which performance was my favorite of the year, uh, Taron Edgerton completely and totally blew me away. As much as I enjoy Leonardo's performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the transcendent performance on this list for me was Taron in Rocket Man. And He's after, two, and after uh, seeing, after seeing two streak, win for win last year for Bohemian Rhapsody, it makes me sad knowing that Taron, who in my opinion, comparatively in a musical biopic, uh, probably won't get the same recognition. It makes me sad. Um, so uh, the last two acting categories here, we'll do, um, we'll, do be- we'll do best actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy, since we did best actor. I love this list. This is an amazing list. Emma Thompson for Late Night, a movie I saw this summer, a movie that uh, didn't live up to the potential that I thought it had, especially with someone like Emma Thompson as the lead. But uh, again, that's someone who these people love. Emma Thompson, she's nominated for Late Night. Beanie Feldstein, a performance that is my favorite on this list, and it's not even close. Booksmart, going to be one of my favorite movies of the year she's so good in it Kate Blanchett nominated for Where'd You Go Bernadette a movie that underwhelmed completely uh I, I it just kind of was swept under the radar it, was, it had been pushed back a couple times and uh critically wasn't received very well but it's Kate Blanchett and people love Kate Blanchett so she's on this list like you said Ana de Armas she's nominated for Knives Out I, it's funny that you were so enamored by her performance I uh she didn't I mean, I thought she was fine. I, I it didn't feel like something that. Uh, well, here, here's my I thing. I don't know if was going to define Yeah, no, we'll we'll I get, no, we'll we'll speak on it later. We'll that, that we'll save it for later. And then Aquafina nominated for the Farewell, a movie that was nominated in best uh, best foreign picture category, which I think is a complete and total joke. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. There's, I mean, I I I, I mean. To put it bluntly, to call that movie foreign uh, is a super racist thing, in my opinion, considering it's about a bunch of Americans and it's just like, oh, it's a foreign film. It's starring Asians. I just I mean, I just I have it was it's 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 really strong. It's funny. It's funny you say that. What what I heard was people's reasoning is that because it's filmed in China. I just, I, I it just make any sense because I can yeah. get. We, we can go, we can go through a laundry list of movies that were filmed in on foreign soil. <laughs> I, just, I mean, <laughs> I just, I just, I just found that really silly. Um, so long shot favorite for you in this category. Um, yeah, my um, again, this is another set of movies that I haven't really seen. I'm actually 
watching Booksmart tonight. That is the movie I'm going to watch tonight. So finally, uh-huh. Andrew. Um, I know. I, I rewatched. I rewatched Lady Bird over the weekend. I shot you a text about Beanie Felstein. I think she's phenomenal. I can't wait to watch Booksmart. So, um, I, I would say just. Um, I, I would say my long shot probably. Um, probably Emma Thompson. Uh, I haven't seen these movies though. Uh, I, I just kind of going off of the Academy. I feel like they would sack her all the way down there below Kate Blanchett. Um, Aquafina is getting a lot of love. Farewell is getting a lot of love, uh, and I just I think that kind of would be ahead of Emma Thompson, for example. Um, I don't really have a favorite. Um, I, I just I I don't want to say too much about Anna de Armas. Um, I thought she was really good. Um, I was more shocked that I went into this movie thinking it was going to be all of these people. I didn't think it was going to be her. Like, I didn't think she was going to be the central character, so that's what surprised me. And I thought she carried her own weight and then some, but, I mean, look, you can only cry so many times in a movie to where it gets a little ridiculous, so. Um, <laughs> that was kind of my takeaway from her performance. She was always crying <laughs> at every moment she got, or throwing up, you know, one or the other. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I really won't name a favorite, uh, maybe Aquafina. I know Farewell's getting so much love. Um, it's, it's funny that you think Emma's the long shot, because I look at this list, and I think she's the favorite because of how she's royalty and and looking at this list Kate Blanchett gets the gets the pity nod here because she's the best part of a movie that uh, critically was not received very well but her performance uh, obviously was one the Hollywood Foreign Press wanted to recognize I mean Emma Thompson is late night it, it was refreshing to see Emma Thompson uh, kind of lead a movie again she has such great comedic timing she's a phenomenal actress uh, equally, if not even a better writer, in my opinion. Uh, and I look at this list, as much as I'd love, love Beanie Feldstein to win for Booksmart. Yeah, if, if, if I had to hand out the award, that's who I'd give it to. I, I think Emma has a legitimate shot to win here because uh, she's getting to a point where these sort of roles don't come around very often. And voters might think, oh, hey, we might not have a lot of opportunities to... Uh, and I'm not, I'm not killing Emma Thompson. I'm just saying that uh, it's it's difficult to find good leading roles uh, for someone like Emma Thompson, and that's a sad thing to say uh, because she's extremely talented. So uh, they they might view this as an opportunity to to recognize her. And then looking at uh, best actress in a motion picture drama, this will be the last category we take a close look at before we get into some other news. Renee Zellweger for Judy. This is again another sort of fall movie, like Hustlers came out in September. Uh, and a lot of buzz around the performances of uh, of uh, comparing it to Hustlers, Jennifer Lopez, and then for Judy, Renee Zellweger, um, who completely embodies um, Judy Garland in the film. Charlize Theron, what a physical transformation in Bombshell. She looks exactly... It's insane. Li- and insane. I, Did you listen think, to her talk? I was about to say, oh what's my, even oh. more impressive is she sounds exactly like Megan Kelly. Oh. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, You've got Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, and Sarah Ronan for Little Women. Uh, I, I mean, this list, this list right here is as wide open as any of the list we've looked at, in my opinion. What, what's your favorite? What's your long shot? If you have them, I know. I know these. You haven't seen a lot of these movies. These movies are all I, coming I have, out in um, a little bit. Correct. Um, I, 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 I think like. I think the list 
is compiled correctly. I think this is something we all kind of would have thrown together. Um, I'm going to go ahead and it... My guess is the long shot would be Cynthia Ervo, but I feel like that's a. I feel like it's a Golden Globe movie. I mean, I'm not saying it's a good, good movie, great movie. I just, I don't know. Maybe she would be the long shot. I couldn't imagine ScarJo not having a better shot than her. Cersei Ronan, which I mean, we already know. I mean, come on, she's royalty at this point as well. Um, Charlie Theron is getting so much love, and Bombshell is a Golden Globe movie itself. And then Renee Rene Zellweger, Will, uh, Zellweger and Judy. I mean, she's Renee. So I, I'm just going off of that. I'm going to say uh, Ervio is kind of a long shot. Um, I'd say the winner here is I, I, I'm feeling Charlize Theron. I don't know why. Okay. I'm feeling it. Um, and I feel like I'm going to enjoy that movie I watched. Um, I'd recommend, if you're interested, um, Russell Crowe. Uh, did a limited series with Showtime earlier this oh, year. Oh, I heard it was literally so good. The sa- it's it's so the same thing good. as the movie. It's kind of crazy that they both come out the same year. Um, it was great. Russell Crowe went through Christian Bale Vice transformation here to play Roger Ailes. So that was a great show to prep you for this movie. Um, so I think Bombshell's getting a lot of love at the, glo- uh, at the Globes, it seems like. So I, I think she, uh, she might be the one to go home with it. Uh, even though I think Saoirse Ronan is probably going to be probably going to be my favorite once i see little women um probably i I look at this list and i look at what do people like from a storyline perspective Mm -hmm. and renee zellweger is not a name that you've associated with excellence in acting for a while and that's not necessarily uh sliding her talent it's just she she hasn't been given the vehicles to display that talent and uh renee taking home this award is perfect it's a perfect storyline uh i i look at this list and that's the name that sticks out to me the most a movie i haven't seen yet frankly a movie i don't have a lot of interest in seeing if i if i were to watch it would be just because i would want to see renee's performance i think she's I, th- I think she, if I had to pick, I think she's the favorite to win. And okay. I, I agree. I, 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 uh, I agree with you in the Cynthia Erivo category, looking at Harriet, uh, a movie that's gotten warm critical reception, um, a big deal for her to be nominated here. Uh, I think she's probably the long shot. Uh, okay. So actor, do you want to talk actor before we go? Um, I guess drama. We, we don't to. have to, we don't have, we have to. to. Let's do it. Let's that. do it. Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Drama, Fun List, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Jonathan Price, that silly old Jonathan Price, all oh, those popes. two badass popes, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, a film nominated for Best Foreign Feature, and then Christian Bale for Ford vs. Ferrari. I look at this list, I've seen three of the five performances on it. Uh, we talk about what the Golden Globes means and represents. And I just don't see a world where Joaquin Phoenix doesn't walk off the stage with yeah, that trophy. It's, Phoenix. it's gonna be Phoenix. It's it's a Golden Globe performance. It's something that is gonna take it home. Um I was I, I, I took I've I'm take I've taken fifty steps back on Joker. I think the the first day I saw it I was shook to my core in the sense of I thought it was this amazing piece of work and I just kind of I sat on it and I was just like, man, I just think I don't know. 
I think like I think you said it best before. Sometimes you confuse a little bit of overacting with really good acting. Um, well, and look, yeah, it was a great performance. Yeah. It was a great performance. I will say that, and Joker might stay in my top ten or kind of be in my top ten this year at the end of the year. But um, I, I look uh, Marriage Story. We'll talk about it a little later. Um, I don't want to keep us here for a long time, but uh, we'll talk about Marriage Story. But Adam Driver to me was that movie. I was so. Adam Driver was like I was just in on Adam Driver. Would it be fair to say he drove the movie? He drove the movie <laughs> just like uh, I can't forget. I was gonna make a joke. Brian Gosling, big you know, big drive guy. Um, I'm shocked Christian. My last, I'm shocked Christian Bale got in here because I feel like you just never hear a word from Christian Bale because you don't. And I was just didn't think. Ford versus Ferrari was going to get any love anywhere. So it's kind of random to see him pop up, in my opinion. But it's going to Phoenix, um, and I probably... I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it. I, I think he was great at the end of the day. All right, so we will take a closer look uh, as we kind of get towards... Get towards the ceremony. We'll, you know, we'll we'll touch on things here and there as they develop. Uh, we may look at some other categories on another show, depending on how we're feeling. This is a really... You know, we kind of just go with the flow here. We'll we'll learn in January who takes home the trophies, and we'll definitely discuss what happens after the fact there. So stick with us if you you know want your Golden Globe reactions. Um, kind of diving into some more movie news. Big week uh, for trailers, trailer discussion. Um, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, the much. I mean, I, I, I've, I thought this movie should have came out a year ago, to be honest. The fact that uh, it's taken about three years is either a good or a bad thing, in my opinion. Uh, and if we want to discuss DC not knowing what they're doing, maybe we can, <laughs> because I have a lot to say about it. But uh, yeah, Wonder Woman 1984. I, I, I watched this trailer. I'm super excited for the movie. There is a huge thing in this trailer that I don't understand why it's in the teaser trailer. I just don't get it. And spoilers ahead as we discuss this trailer. If you haven't seen the trailer, pause us, open another tab, watch the trailer on your phone sideways as God intended, uh, and then uh, (laughs) return to us so we can talk about the trailer so obviously in the original wonder woman chris pine's character passes away he's front and trailer uh, excuse me front and center in this trailer it confused and me <laughs> I, was like, what? I was i was shocked i'm sorry i'm not trying to you know i, I was just i was surprised well, I, I, I mean, obviously, we live in a day and age where we have more information than we've ever had about everything in the world, for better or worse. And I, I've been following that he was going to be in the movie in some mm-hmm. capacity. I thought, oh, it might be a flashback. It might be. I mean, no, in the trailer, he's he's there. We, yeah, we, they show we, you. And, and oh, yeah. it's just. It, it, Bandy pack that's, and all. That's, <laughs> that's something that would have, I don't know. It would have been. No, you're, you're totally on the right path. Struck me a lot more powerfully in the theater. But. We also live in a day and age where you're going to find out this stuff beforehand anyway. So I guess the studio's idea is, well, they, they know it. People who care already know it. So let's just give them a taste of it. Let's throw them right in it. Um, I really dug the trailer. I love how much it seems to be influenced uh, by not just the 80s, but by just 80s movies. 
Uh, Pedro Pascal, another guy. Oh moment, yeah, having a moment right now. He's so he's so much fun to watch, and uh, he seems to be playing uh, the the new big bad. Uh, you see, Kristen Wiig in there also supposedly playing Tigress. I thought we might get a glimpse of her in there. I'm really excited to see her transformation because my God, if I don't love me, some Kristen Wiig. She's um, so underappreciated. You put a note that you had a Captain Marvel feel from the trailer because that's that's not at all what I got from it. But uh, um, full, why, full dis- why, full, why did you feel full, that? Uh, full discretion. Um, and we're not going to edit this out because we're real Gs. I meant to put Ragnarok. And okay. I was just, I'm, I'm just, I was working at the time. It had the Ragnarok feel to it. Um, I, I think I put Captain Marvel because I was actually, I, I was doing some, some research on, you know, the last movie, just reminding myself of the actors and actresses who were in it. Like I forget Robin Wright's in the movie and stuff. And uh, it was the first thing I saw was Captain Marvel speaks out on the trailer because Brie Larson had some comments. So that's probably why I was there. But I meant Ragnarok feel. It had the Ragnarok feel, but the colors, the brightness, um, it just, it kind of had that feel. Uh, it's not, not, funny not, you not, say that. It's so. funny you say that because, um, yeah, I can kind of see it there. When you say Ratnarok, though, I think, oh, I didn't mean I think slapstick because that's kind of what that was. But you're right. From a color perspective, it's it was very bright, and uh, they've released some awesome uh, kind of posters for the film that look really good. I'm excited for it. I am curious as to why people have had to wait three years for this movie. I am thoroughly convinced that uh, DC and Warner Brothers have no idea what they're doing with their no, properties. I mean, go back to 2017. Go back to 2017. You had Wonder Woman and Justice League come out. And Wonder Woman hits in a way that Warner Brothers did not expect. And Justice League hits in a way that Warner Brothers only thought of in their worst nightmares. And then you had to wait two, uh, what essentially was an entire other year for another DC movie. So in theory, if Justice League would have been the hit that they were hoping it would be people would have had to wait over a year for another movie. And I I just think that's silly because the more time you take, especially with some of these DC movies, you have to think about it uh, kind of the way that Marvel approaches it. And I'm not going to put them on a pedestal here, but you should, well, but I, 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 I'm not going, I like just, there's, there's all kinds of different ways to do this. And I'm not saying that there's one set right way to do it, but Marvel's formula that's proven successful has been, hey, every six months you're going to have a movie. Every six months there's going to be a movie and there's always going to be something to look forward to. And DC, in my opinion, missed an opportunity. And I say missed an opportunity. Aquaman comes out, one of the highest grossing films of 2018, comes out December 2018. Um, and DC you know, has two, two of their last three films, uh, critical and financial successes. So there is a certain amount of new life to be uh, kind of given to that. You think franchise. two years of billion dollar movies? You think this has a billion dollar chance? Um, oh, for sure. For sure. Especially with the way people responded to the first one woman. I'm excited for this. Um, I, and I do think it's got big money potential. Another big trailer that dropped this week. Um, one of my all time favorite. Yes. Probably my Talk second or third favorite movie of all time. Ghostbusters Afterlife, the spiritual sequel to the original two Ghostbusters movies. Uh, Giving some people some backstory here. Uh, Obviously, we live in a day and age where franchises rule the world. Uh, They rule the box office, uh, sequels, 
uh, property you're familiar with. All, all of this stuff rules the movie landscape right now. And Sony Pictures does not have a lot of properties and franchises outside of Spider-Man uh, that they can rely on anymore. Men in Black uh, failed this past year. Ghostbusters failed for them a couple of years ago. They don't have a lot of things that they can lean on. So I was as shocked as anyone to see a couple months ago, this past summer, it be announced that Jason Reitman uh, would be working on a new Ghostbusters movie. Because the last Ghostbusters movie uh, lost a ton of money for Sony and Columbia. It did not make a profit. It critically wasn't well-received. And thanks to a bunch of D-bags right out of the gate, it was never given a chance. Uh, so <laughs> whenever studios lose money, especially the kind of money that Ghostbusters lost for Sony, there's one or two things that you can do. You can completely kill the franchise and say, hey, audiences don't want this anymore. Or you can give it one more chance. Give it one more shot at life. And I say this, it's applicable to Sony with Ghostbusters, but it's not really applicable to, let's say, Skydance with Terminator. Because the Terminator rights have bounced around from studio to studio, and people think, oh, this time, we, we, we got it. We can, we can make Terminator work for this generation. And for whatever reason, you know, Dark Fade, critically, people responded to it a little bit. Uh, but uh, from a box office standpoint, it's going to lose a lot of money. Uh, for, for Skydance. So uh, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, if you're a fan of this franchise, I think you got to look at Terminator and you, you, you got to be worried uh, because this is one of those franchises that just maybe doesn't have that appeal to millennials. It doesn't have that appeal to the people who cared about the movie, the people who watched these movies when they initially came out. Uh, Ghostbusters, as popular as it was, uh, culturally wasn't star wars it, it it wasn't star trek it wasn't it wasn't some of these other things that are inbred in people's sort of pop culture dna uh and that's my personal opinion we will see if that is the actual truth whenever ghostbusters afterlife comes out so now kind of diving into the trailer um andrew did you get to watch the trailer I did. As a and as a look, let me tell you something. As a big fan of and nope, no sarcasm here. As a big fan of Thank You for Smoking, Juno, and especially Up in the Air. I love Up in the Air. I think Jason Reitman's perfect. I think I think oh, he's, he's I, I think he's he great. Only, and he makes he only really makes good movies in my opinion. Yeah, Interesting no, that, that, watchable movies. Correct. And I think you look back at the reboot and the the kind of yeah, I think you probably know more on this, but the the kind of maybe the the hesitance from Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, um, you know, from the original cast to kind of get behind it. I don't. I. I just. I. I feel like this is going to do well, and I feel like it's going to be a good movie. Um, I enjoyed the trailer. I enjoy that. I know that those guys are coming back, and I didn't see them. I thought that was cool. I think the nostalgia in the trailer was perfect. I think it's the perfect kind of tease for a first trailer. I think this is a good trailer that's going to maybe excite. Um, our parents type. I mean, this was right up. I mean, my my parents were in high school when this movie came out, so I think this is going to be up their alley. And I think this is going to be. I think I just I think from a trailer perspective, it was enjoyable. You saw all the things you wanted to see. You see Paul Rudd, who is great. Everyone loves Paul Rudd. Um, kind of get some Carrie Coon in there, who's great. Carrie Coon does great work. Uh, 
you got Finn from 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 uh, Stranger Things. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of moving parts here in this trailer that is really going to appeal to a lot of people, and I think I think I think I think this is going to do well. I really do, and I, and I'm and I'm not a huge look Ghostbusters, the original franchise. I saw it as a kid. Um, I I enjoyed it. My parents had me watch it. Obviously, it was you know that was part of their childhood. I guess you can say so. I enjoyed those movies. Um, I'm not like hugely like oh I love those movies. I know that is like one of your favorites. Um, but it was still an enjoyable movie. And the Terminator is something I'm like take it to the back of to, you know old Yeller the thing. Just get it over. <laughs> with. But with Afterlife, I just I have a I have a different feel. And I know this is going after this is going off of a teaser trailer and. Jason Reitman and the fact that he got these guys back together, but I just I feel like this is going to be good. I don't know if it's going to kill the box office, but I think it's going to be a good movie. It's it's you touched on it there for a little bit, and I find it funny. It's like oh, you know, you had all these guys hesitant to return to the franchise for so long. Dan Aykroyd, not one of those guys. Dan Aykroyd, obviously someone who uh, I mean, he's kind of the sole creator behind Ghostbusters uh, for years, years, notoriously would send Bill Murray scripts for Ghostbusters 3 and Bill Murray notoriously the moment he got them would put them in a paper shredder and then take the remains and mail them back to Dan Aykroyd (laughs) and he would just attach a note no one wants to watch old fat asses chasing ghosts and so you now we are you ask yourself what is (laughs) what's the appeal why would Bill want to come back now and I think the reason that Bill wants to come back now is because I don't think they're going to be doing that in this movie. I think that this movie, obviously from the trailer, uh, you know, it has the legacy feel. You're looking at uh, Egon Spangler's possible grandchildren. You're, you're, there's a lot of things to unpack here. But in terms of passing the torch to a new generation of Ghostbusters, something that a lot of people uh, have, are, aren't, especially Ghostbusters fans, I don't think they would have been opposed to with the Ghostbusters remake. And I said this last week, and I imagine I'll say it every week because it's the culture we live in now. I always feel about remakes that unless you feel like the story the first time wasn't done properly and you can do it better, or you have a new take and a new perspective to offer on a story we all love, why are you doing it? And so with the Ghostbusters remake, I, I mean, I wasn't one of those people who was like, oh my God, they're remaking it with women. I love that cast. I love Kristen Wiig. I love Melissa McCarthy. I love Kate (laughs) McKinnon. I love Leslie Jones. I loved, and when I say loved, I mean loved the first 30 minutes of that movie. The problem is it goes completely off the rails as it starts progressing through its story. So, uh, I mean, the, um... the movie itself has a lot of issues. This movie has to win over the people who care about Ghostbusters still. And I think, like you said, it effectively does that. Now, the biggest thing I've seen people break apart uh, about the trailer is, well, wait a second, Ghostbusters is a comedy. Howard, this isn't, doesn't feel like a comedy. This feels like a drama. But I watched the trailer, and it has, it, it has that sort of childlike sense of wonder in it. And you're, you're going to be getting the story from the perspective of teenagers. And I think for a movie called Ghostbusters, you've got to be able to appeal to kids. You just have to be able to do it. Ghostbusters in itself is a silly premise. Now, one of the things that works great about the original Ghostbusters, you can go watch it now. It's definitely a movie made for adults, but it's a movie that whenever you're 13 or 14, 
Oh, you can watch sure. and still, and you can watch and still fully enjoy. And I think that that's what they've got to do. They've got to. I mean, it's a silly thing to say. Oh, movie needs to tap into uh, and connect with young audiences. I mean, duh, right? But I, I think in order for this franchise to stay alive, and right now it is on life support, uh, despite what Dan Aykroyd would tell you over a bottle of his signature gin, is hey, <laughs> this like if this doesn't work, it's going on the shelf. And I don't think there's anything else do we they think? can do with it. Kind of the last thing before we move on. Do you think uh, a big in this? I, I think this is actually true, actually. But let me get your take on it. Um, a big reason that the original guys are coming back because I mean, look at the respect for Ivan Redman. I mean, look, look at the, I mean, they've Murray well, and Ackroyd. You're right. You're right. Uh, but I mean, it's his son, and both Ackroyd and Murray did multiple Redman movies. I mean, they did Meatballs. They did Stripes. I well, mean, they, they, they did other movies, so, but I'm just saying, you know, directors and their actors, I feel like they're loyal to one another, and I feel like you have his son here probably committing and, like you said, giving them a script where it's like, um, you're not dressing up and catching ghosts. You are helping the, you know, you're kind of maybe assisting or taking a different role, and maybe I just, I think any given Sunday, maybe any given, I don't know what day they do it in Hollywood, but... Um, you know, any, any given day, someone could come forth with a really good idea and you mix that in with knowing this person. I mean, they've known him since he was a kid. Maybe they're like, okay, you know what, this, this appeals and you know, I, we we're coming back. Well, I, I mean, maybe, but to be honest, as someone who's followed this process and read up on this process for as long as I have, uh, I mean, I, I, Ivan was always involved with the potential Ghostbusters three in some form or fashion as an executive producer. Uh, never really attached as a director, uh, and Bill still did that. Bill still would shred the script before he even read it. Uh, I, so I, I really think here the thing that's going to bring them together, sure, it, it could be working with Ivan again and working with Jason, who makes good movies, but I, I think it's got to be the script. And that's what I want to believe is, hey, this thing is so good. Sigourney's coming back. Uh, Ernie Hudson's coming back. Uh, Dan's coming. I mean, Look, D Dan Aykroyd would be in anything Ghostbusters forever until the end of time. It could be shot on, uh, you know, a Samsung Galaxy Note sideways, and he would be in it because that's that. Yeah, this is what Ghostbusters is to him. It's his life. But uh, to see Bill there, I, I think that is that is saying, hey, I like this script. This is something that's actually good. So that's a ringing endorsement. We're, we're a little long in the tooth for this episode. So let's, let's hop right into some discussions. Right? We, we've seen, we've seen some movies the last couple of weeks. Um, most recently, I, let's do this one first. I think it'll be more fun. You saw knives out just yesterday. Uh, and I'll let you kind of, I'll let you kind of lead the way here. Uh, how'd you feel about this movie? Oh, it was tremendous. Um, I know you saw it before me. Um, everything I've heard from everyone, including yourself, was you're going to have a blast, right? And this has been one of the only movies I can really think of. I haven't seen one negative thing about this movie. I really haven't. I mean, The Irishman, for example, getting so much critical love and blah, blah, blah. But I've seen so many people, you know, crap on it at times. Knives Out, I haven't seen that. Everyone loved Knives Out. And, I mean, oh, man, I mean... Oh, I had so much fun. I mean, I love, I love Daniel Craig. That's for sure. Um, I talked to you yesterday about it. I love Michael Shannon. I love Chris Evans. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Don Johnson. Who doesn't love Don Johnson? Tony Coletti. That's a crazy chick. 
Go watch Hereditary. But Tony Clutty rocks. Lake the Stanfield. I love Atlanta. I love Lake the Stanfield. Uh, Edie Patterson. I mean, I could go on about Righteous Gemstone. So I, I love all of a lot of these people involved. And I I was just excited for it. I love Murder Mysteries, a whodunit, which I feel like we haven't seen a real whodunit in a long time. And, oh, it was just a blast. I... I think from the start, it's just so much fun. I mean, you know, it was a blast to see in a theater. Um, I saw it, I guess, so yesterday. So that would be maybe, I guess, two weeks after it came out. And there were still people in the theater who were like, oh, it's a fake knife. It was a fake knife. Or, like, uh, throughout the whole movie, I'm leaning to my buddy. And, hey, um, so I think what she's doing is I think the nurse killed him because she wants all the money for her mom. Like, I'm, you just kept guessing. You kept having fun with it. And it was just an all-time fun movie. Um, just a blast. Um, spoilers, by the way, so stop listening. I mean, come on now. Um, <laughs> but it was just a great movie. It was a blast. It was a fun time. Um, I, I don't really know else know where else to go with it. Um, excellent writing. Um, kept me guessing. There's a lot of things I didn't really kind of know what was happening and who did it. Um, but it's just, it was just a lot of fun. I really, I can't find anything negative about this movie. It's in my top five for the year so far, and I think it's going to stay there. I, I loved it that much. I, I, I couldn't really, I could not find a thing wrong with this movie. Well, I mean, if you don't like this movie, then you don't like to have fun. And if you don't like to have fun, yeah. then like, like, what are you? Like, what, what kind <laughs> of person doesn't enjoy having fun? And that's what this movie is from the very get go. Uh, Daniel Craig sort of, unraveling of the entire mystery towards the end of the film his uh donut metaphor one of the funniest uh bits of made no sense uh, <laughs> in, in any in any film uh i've seen this year like you said just <laughs> just a terribly enjoyable movie it was for me one of the more rewarding things among all of the great performances was chris evans getting back to playing his sh- a swarmy yeah. asshole because yeah. early in his career, that's what he was known for. And Captain America completely changed the way that the you, public you. perceived yeah. Chris Evans. But before he was cast as Captain America, I mean, think about it. Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four, a literal hot-headed asshole. Um, he, he played sort of these stuck-up people in, uh, you know, romantic comedies. He always had a, a stick up his butt. So uh, it, it was nice to see him kind of play something... Uh, that's become kind of against type for him, but he can do it. And he obviously showed it that he still got it in the movie. His first, his first big post Captain America role knocks it out of the park. For me, my biggest takeaway is Ryan Johnson. It's his first movie, first theatrical release since The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, something that even today people are still in an uproar about it's affected and sat with uh, a large amount of geeks, a large amount of people who care about star Wars, a large amount of people who care about movies for better or worse. Um, and he, he got a lot of negative flack on a movie that grossed $1.5 billion and is the 13th highest grossing film of all time. So you will never convince me that it's not, you know, a success, but, uh, Ryan Johnson makes good movies. And if you haven't seen Brick, go watch Brick. It's a phenomenal movie. And th- th- those are the kind of things that 
at his core, Ryan Johnson is capable of doing. And uh, I don't know. It was it was nice to see him get a what felt like a universal round of applause. Like you said, no one has really said anything negative about this movie because how could they? Uh, it's going to be in my top five for sure at the end of the year. And um, in terms of, you know, how much fun I've had at the movies this year, I might be the most fun. So I've if they the um, would you would you buy a like if 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 KFC did a Blu-ray deal where you get a combo and you get a movie would you do it? <laughs> of CSI, course, CSI, I mean, CSI, yeah. KFC, CSI, KFC. <laughs> I'd, I'd do it right. I'd do it right now. I'd, I'd pre-order it. Uh, oh God, it's a movie I can't wait to own. I, can't I thought it was so funny to, to see you to see. I just again. Um, Ana de Armas. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was a really good performance. Again, I was just shocked to see the movie really revolve around her. I, I just wasn't expecting it at all, and I thought she did a really good job. Um, like I said, I think she cried a lot. She was always crying, so that was kind of weird. It was just so clever for them to be like. I almost thought it was a joke at first that every time she lies, she has to puke. I, I thought that was so funny. Well, but I mean, it yeah, was, that's it was a, critical that's a comedic device. That it, they well, it's funny, but it was her. a critical, but it was a critical role in the whole movie. Yes. yes. I, so it was just, it was, oh, it was so funny. I, man, when uh, with with the alt, <laughs> the uh, the alt, was it the the alt the alt right, uh, the alt right <laughs> uh, son? I just yeah, oh, and that that was great. Every every time someone referred to Ana de Armas. Uh, her parents. She was from a different country. I thought that was. I just. I, th- I thought just that. Just the whole movie was. It was just. It was just a really good time. I, I think this is a movie. This is one of those movies where if you don't buy movies a lot, I would totally buy this movie full price, twenty five dollars, because it's a movie you could just watch and have fun with your family. I go see the movie. I don't really know what else to say. I know we don't have too much to say on it except it was. It was just a blast. Oh, I do want to add. The end of the movie, spoilers, obviously. The end of the movie, the shot of her on the balcony with the My House, My Rules mug overlooking the family was one of my favorite shots of the year. <laughs> it's a great shot. I it enjoy really that. Is, it really is a great shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those movies, like you said, it's a good thing to own because you can pop it on with really anyone and it's going to appeal to Every- just about anyone yes. who enjoys having a good time. Um now, a movie that a lot more people have split opinions on, uh, yeah. which I think is funny considering the topic of the movie itself, uh, Marriage <laughs> Story. Um, marriage Story. It's Noah Baumbach's latest. I'll kind of lead the way on this one. I uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I feel like as a precursor before I watched it, uh, familiar with how it was kind of doing on the festival circuit and uh, knowing that, hey, okay, you've got these two phenomenal actors operating at the top of their game in Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and they're going to lead this movie and pair that with, oh, also Noah Baumbach. This is sort of an autobiographic, uh, an autobiographical retelling of his own divorce. Um, I love that kind of stuff. I, I love whenever you have that direct connection. Uh, and you're watching an artist uh, use their art uh, therapeutically. Uh, I, 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 I love that stuff. Um, watching this movie, um, it's, it's so, in my opinion, sort of fine-tuned 
towards all of Noah Baumbach's strengths. Um, you don't sit down to watch one of his movies because you want to see um, interesting uh, or clever uh, set-up shots, framed shots. You're not watching it for the cinematography. Uh, you're, you're watching it for the dialogue. You're watching it for the development of characters. Uh, it's, his movies aren't visually striking. It, uh, really, they, they almost every single one of them comes across and rolls along like a play. And Marriage Story feels so much like theater to me. I, ironically enough, one of uh, the main characters, Adam Driver, uh, directs theater. The, the movie feels like theater. And if you sit down and watch any of Noah Baumbach's work, uh, it feels like you could be sitting in a, in a theater and watching it on stage. Uh, there's minimal location changes. A lot of things take place in one room. It's uh, the best way to describe his work. It's minimalistic. And we're not focusing on all kinds of flash. We're going to focus on the dialogue. We're going to focus on script and the progression of the story. And it's going to be well-directed. And you're going to have some good performances. And speaking of good performances, um, it's funny to say this about Scarlett Johansson. Because as of right now, probably one of the most more iconic people of her generation working. You know, Black Widow, she's got that under her belt. Uh, but in terms of really being given a role where she gets to sort of, I don't know, kind of go against type a little bit. And it, I, it's always fun to see actors and actresses, in my opinion, play uh, characters who are actors and actresses. Uh, because, they, you know, they, they always say, use what you know as fuel. And I feel like that's whenever you see some stuff. That's real, because obviously, uh, this is what they do as a profession. Uh, I thought she was so good. One of my favorite performances of the year, uh, Adam Driver. I'm, I, this film, again, it, it's, it's nice to be Noah Baumbach and know, hey, you know, I can write these roles for the people I want to write them for, and I, I'm going to get them. But Adam Driver um, might be his most complex... Uh, his the best performance of his career, his young career. He hasn't been doing this very long, uh, and, and just just the style in which the story is presented, uh, it's refreshing to sit down and watch a movie like that, and kind of come out the other end of it and be like, you know, like I forget that movies like this can be made. It's a minimalistic story. It's a personal story. It's not super flashy. It's an adult movie. It has themes that just about any adult can relate to. You can sit down and watch it. And because of these performances, you're, you can empathize with these people. And uh, I, I mean, th there's, there's some scenes where I, I just feel are just uh, completely overwhelming because you, you, you really start caring about them. And overall, I, I, I watch the movie. I, I, I see why it's getting the acclaim that it's getting. Um, do I think that it's the best movie of the year? No, not by a long shot. Do I think that it's one of the, I don't know, 10 best movies of the year? There's a, there's a, there's a very solid chance. Uh, do I also think that maybe we're overreacting to it a little bit? Because again, we live in a day and age where you don't see a lot of this stuff. Uh, and Noah Baumbach's one of the few people kind of 
making these, uh, again, I, I keep using this word, but just minimalistic sort of adult movies. Because that's what he does. You watch the Merowitz Diaries, uh, uh, another film he made for Netflix. Again, kind of super personal, uh, strongly written, well-acted movie, which, to be honest, I enjoyed that one more than I enjoyed Marriage Story. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's, 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 it's getting a lot of attention, I think for good reason. Bombax being nominated for Best Original Screenplay for good reason. I've seen him in Best Director categories and conversations for good reason. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, now, Andrew, it seemed like you enjoyed it as well. Um, but well, I now, know now, I mean, now <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, now listening to you, to you really sum everything up, which you did it perfectly, I, I must add. I mean, look, it's right outside of my top ten, just like it might be yours. So we might be in the same area, but maybe just for different reasons. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Look, I'm a sucker for what got me into loving film and television is acting. That was kind of the first thing, and, and not until I picked up a camera in my career is when I kind of started appreciating cinematography. But I always enjoyed acting, and I was sucked in to Driver from the get-go. I loved how they opened up the movie. I, I think having each of them read their note and they're in the, its mediator, but she, I, I thought that whole, I thought that that whole sequence set up the movie perfectly. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Driver sucked me in the whole time. My, my thing about this, I was watching this movie, um, I, and I could be wrong here because obviously you are someone who has not gone through, I mean, I've, I've never had a divorce. Um, you are someone who's never gone through what they've gone through, and you enjoyed the movie thoroughly, enjoyed the story. I just wonder if this is going to be a movie that's going to appeal more so to people who have maybe gone through this. Um, I don't know how to phrase that correctly. I I myself have a daughter. I was never married. Um, I'm not with her mother. So th there was a lot of things that I resonated with hardcore. I mean hardcore. There's a lot of things that I watch this and I'm like, just, wow, you know, I kind of I kind of get where some of this stuff is going. And I I then kind of started thinking about it from that perspective. I wonder if this is going to be a movie that people who have been divorced are going to like this is going to be their calling card. They are going to love this so much. And I just I just I just wonder from that perspective. Well, I'm con I'm confused as to what you're saying because I mean, yeah, anytime you watch a movie that you share in some sort of Real, a real life connection with that you you are going to connect more to it than someone who hasn't been through a divorce. Uh, but I still don't think that that's. I mean, again, like com compared it's, to it, it, it's, it's not really it, okay. put, put it this way. It's not it's not really a knock. I guess I'm just saying that. Like, okay, I look at it from this perspective. Let me kind of speed this up. But it's what I'm trying to get to. Um, I I feel like it was. It's I'm trying to find the right words without knocking the movie, but. I see best original screenplay. I don't. I don't even. I don't think it should be even close. I feel and look again. This maybe is Noah Baumbach's real life story, and he expressed himself through it. I feel like it just. It's not a super like from a movie's perspective. It's not a super original concept. I feel like I just and it's how it is. I watched a divorce. That's it, that's really how I. That's that is the main thing I got from it. I mean, look. I see the subtle things. I see the. You know, um, he walks in to get the papers to get served, and they're still separated, but the kiss on the cheek. Or the end of the movie, she ties his shoe. Or, you know, he thinks that she is pulling his son, their son, away from him, yet 
she gives him the letter that's his to know about his dad and them. And, you know, so I see the subtle references, like the subtle of she's moved on, they've moved on. Hey, there's still love here. There's still, it's almost like a, it's a love story, but not an original love story, right? So I get that. I really do. But I just didn't think it was super original. It was a divorce. I felt like I watched a real. I, I mean, what does that have to, what is, what is something like originality have to do with, anything in that concept i mean if, if you want to if you want to bring in a, originality in while in why you're critiquing something i mean i i watch something like you know the irishman and i feel like well this is playing such a familiar drum that i've seen beaten so many different times i i i, I think you've got to separate uh that from the movie itself i mean sure watching people deal with marital problems isn't really original. No, but, and look, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to say that it's taking it away from the movie. I guess I should say is I just kind of, I don't know, I kind of thought that I would be going into this movie that I kind of just, I guess it's kind of, the, I think I was saying it earlier, that I should stay away from the outside hype because you said that you hyped up, you know, this kind of, from what you gathered was this was Bombac's best, and you and it was a Bombac movie, right? For me, I kind of all I've heard of a Marriage Story is, man, this is going to be the best movie of the year. This is going to be it. This is going to sweep the Academy Awards. And then I watched the movie, and I was just I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great movie. I have it right around 14th overall. I rank, try to rank all my movies of the year. Uh, it's it, it's it's a top movie for me, considering all the movies I've seen this year. But I just I don't I. I, okay, movie perspective. Let me. I'm trying to sum this up. You got me all over the place. Movie perspective, great movie. Driver, performance of the year. One of the performances of the year. But just when it comes down to just the movie itself, I just thought it wasn't as original as I would have liked it to be. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm trying, trying to find a way to, to say it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things we'll see. We'll see moving forward. I mean, again, I do like how it was kind of like it is a different type of love story. I did appreciate that. I mean, I, I you know, throughout the movie, you see his real, <laughs> what I thought was very funny, the relationship with 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 her mother from Adam Driver's character. She's giving him lawyer advice and, you know, uh, all this stuff. And I can't be friends with him. Oh, you know, I, I thought there was a lot of funny, subtle things. And it was it was cute. And I. I felt for both these characters, and I thought the movie's a must-watch. It's a great film. It's it's great work by Driver, great work by ScarJo. I think bomb. I think look, it's going around on Twitter. But the the the, the volcano scene you mentioned the, the the three minutes of them in the apartment and the big fight that it's been you've been waiting for was great. But I just I guess I just I guess probably what I was trying to say this whole time is I just don't understand the. This is going to be a movie that's going to lead the Academy Awards and be up for all these huge awards. I just don't see why it should be. Well, uh, I guess we'll see kind of what happens with it moving forward. I, I, uh, I'm excited that Netflix exists, and uh, it might not be a popular opinion right now, especially as someone who loves going to the movies. But I, I just I see movies like this and The Irishman and. Uh, uh, it's funding and passion projects. It's it's it, well, it's it's they're funding passion projects, but it, it's it's also people are getting to watch these movies that they maybe normally wouldn't necessarily get to watch, and I think that's awesome because then then you you're having conversations with people who you maybe normally wouldn't get to talk about this stuff, and I think it's it's really cool to see. So are you team? Last, are you team? 
uh, Nicole or Charlie? Who was in the I wrong? Re- I refuse to choose a side because I think that goes. <laughs> I think that goes against the the entire point of the movie. So uh, they're they're trying to make people. I'm telling you, they were trying to make you pick a side. They, but he did a good jo- look. He did a good job of kind of like. I think he did a good job of rotating, like making it impossible for you to choose a side. And I know people online are choosing a side, but they they did like. I feel like they did a good job of having each character kind of do little things that you're like, okay, this is just two people who couldn't work it out versus this one person was a jerk. was a joke. Even though I'm telling you right now, again, oh boy, uh, you know, he cheated on her. So that's what people are going for. But yeah, that's it. That's the easy out there, but it's impossible Um, to not sympathize, sympathize with his character because driver just, Oh my God. That's I'm telling you that it's seen making its rounds though. I know it's a, it was the volcano scene. It was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, though. I thought I thought that was like, I think someone someone mentioned that this would be a scene in their opinion that you show people in an acting class, and I, I couldn't couldn't really disagree with that. I thought it was a great scene. It's a it's a great scene in a good movie, and I'm excited to see kind of what happens with it moving forward. So, kind of wrapping up the episode, what we're going to do each week, kind of give you. Little top five list uh, of uh, you know one of our main topics. We would like to kind of segue into a category, and uh, in honor of Knives Out, we're gonna we're gonna give you our top five murder mystery movies. And I feel like I feel like this list won't be as uh, connected as our mob movies, or I should say Scorsese movies list, like it was last week. Because again, it's so specific. Oh, what are your favorite you know, movies from this director? But uh, I, I, we'll I see. I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear your list. So what's what's your fifth favorite? And again, if it's on your list, you gotta say it. So say. Uh, <laughs> this might be on your list. Number five for me, The Usual Suspects. Yeah, the usual The Usual Suspects is my actually it's number two on my list. It, it had. I, uh, I I'm the probably suspects. the low man on it. <laughs> you know, I am a. Um, I respect the work. Let me say this clearly, so I don't get dra- drug. If anyone's listening to this, Kevin Spacey on screen. I respect him on screen. So I. Uh, I that <laughs> is a. That is such an understatement. But I'll. I'll let you live with that. Right? <laughs> if that's where. If that's where you want to plant your flag, that's fair in this environment. Um, I, I love Kevin Spacey. So. Um, the, the work, the, the work of Kevin Spacey. The work of Kevin Spacey, not the personal life of Kevin Spacey. Um, they just, oh man, that, that's just what a ride that movie is. I mean, if you've never seen Usual Suspects, please see it. I mean, oh, it's so much just fun. Sizer Kose is a character that will go down in just history of anything, right? Just I mean, like I also respect the work of Brian Singer. Yes, Benicio del Toro. That's that's that was kind of the first time I was introduced to him. I mean, just just a great all around cast. Uh, John Carlo Esposito is hidden in that movie. If you have he's hiding it, in there. He, he hides in it. Just a, a really all around great movie. Um, kind of one of my favorite twists in a movie. I think oh, ever. God, yeah. Uh, so just that uh, you know, I put it as number five because there's some other movies I like more. But I mean, anything you you want to say about that beautiful piece of work? Um, you you kind of touched it. Like I. I... I, I want to use these lists as springboards for people to go watch these movies. So I, I, I hate to really spoil them. But yeah, like you said, one of the all-time great twists in in The Usual Suspects. And I'm pro- we're probably hurting it a little bit by telling you, hey, there's a twist in it. But, um, you know, it's 
25 oh, no. years old. It's 25 yeah. years old. Exactly. So yeah, you've seen just it. Go watch, go watch the damn movie. Um, so number five on my list, a movie you just recently watched, a movie that I really, really enjoyed, uh, and that's Mystic River. Uh, it's a movie you watched this past week. Yeah, okay. And uh, I actually haven't talked to you about what your overall opinion was of it. I know that you that you watched it, enjoyed it, but um, Mystic River, um, Clint Eastwood, phenomenal actor. I think he's an even better director. And I think Mystic River is on his Mount Rushmore. If I had to pick, uh, I, I would or, agree. If I had to pick four movies uh, that Clint Eastwood's done that he'll be remembered for, I think Mystic River is one of them. And, uh, you know, you've got some great performances in this movie. Uh, you talk about Tim Robbins. I know you were, oh, uh, you yeah. were mesmerized by his performance. Sean Penn, someone else who took home uh, some hardware for that movie. Uh, again, I don't like to, I don't really want to give away no, of what, course. Ha- what happens in these movies, but uh, Mystic River, if you're looking for maybe something you haven't seen, especially if you're our age, if you're, uh, 25 26 years old and you know you weren't watching adult movies when you were seven uh mystic <laughs> rivers mystic rivers definitely something something worth revisiting it's number five on netflix on it's on, it netflix. on netflix um yeah. so definitely go watch it yeah um tim robbins yeah you'll know who he is once you start the movie blown away uh laura lenny is a is a legend oh I love laura my lenny. god laura i just oh man laura, laura lenny's great um good choice um my number four is zodiac Years. So I, I didn't put it on my list because I it was either going to be number one or it wasn't <laughs> going to be on my it wasn't going to be on my list and I, di- I I didn't put it on my list because I didn't really put it in this category because oh, I really? think I think one of the key things about um, a mystery and especially for this genre is that there's some form of resolution and because that story is there's always going to be a certain amount of wide openness to it. It's super intriguing, but I, I couldn't put it in there because okay. there's no there's no finality. And look, you're, you're talking to someone who is a, I mean, David Fincher. David might, Fincher. Well, one of my this is two. this is a David Fincher approved podcast. It it definitely is. And, David, <laughs> and look, David Fincher, uh, without Zodiac, is still on my list twice. So um, I I am happy to see that you recognize Zodiac, though. Great ensemble performance. You want to talk about? The rise of Jake Gyllenhaal. He's, he's so good in it. Uh, you've you've got Robert Downey Jr. sort of flexing his chops pre-Iron Man. Uh, in my opinion, one of the things that I think Fincher is completely uh, and and totally good at doing is capturing an age and an era. He does it well in a lot of his movies. He does it really well in the curious case of Benjamin Button. And he just sort of encapsulates 60s LA, like so, uh, excuse me, uh, 60s San Francisco so well in this movie. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen Zodiac, it's long, but, but it it's is, worth it. It doesn't feel long. It's I mean, ripping. It's, it, it, it will stick with you. Uh, and it's, I mean, hell, it's, the the diving into personal lives, Chloe Savani, um, even with Brian Cox is in there with a great performance. Just everything everything about Zodiac, I love. I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, just I know you say no resolution, so technically yes, no resolution. But every time I watch that film, which I've I've watched it four times, knowing what's going to happen each time because after you've seen it and 
certain oh, certain it's still, it's certain still character and it's still certain tense. certain character in there. Like you you watch that movie maybe knowing what it's about, yet you're watching it thinking, oh wait, like is this like you know? So it's it's David Fincher, man. It's, that's my Mount Rushmore directors. He's definitely on there. So you're number four. My number four, uh, David Fincher movie. Um, it might be your number one. Um, my it's number not. Four, my number four is Gone Girl. Uh, oh, it is my number one. Ah. <laughs> I knew ah. it. I knew it. Ah. Um, I Gone, Girl, another Gone Girl is uh, Gone Girl's an excellent film. And it's the last thing feature, uh, Fincher has released in a theater. And it makes me kind of sad because it's been five years now since since we've got to go to the theater and watch watch one of his movies. Now, he's been doing excellent work with Netflix, with Mindhunter. Uh, my God, so good. Uh, but that's besides the point. Gone Girl, an adaption of a, of a uh, Gillian Flynn novel. She writes the screenplay. You've got Affleck at his best. You've got Rosamund Pike, who is uh, one of the best working actresses. Um, uh, she is just a revelation in this movie, she's terrifying. I know that you're terrified of her, Andrew. That's that's something that we always talk about. It's just in terms of performances, it's one of the scariest performances you've ever seen because uh, it just feels. I mean, just you're just imagining, you know, being around this kind of person in real life. But uh, it's it's one of his best movies. It is one of the, in my opinion, uh, if I had to put uh, together a list of the top fifteen movies of the last ten years, it's on it along with um, another one of Fincher's movies, but that's besides the point. Again, uh, Gone Girl is a thrill ride. It's a blast. Rosamund Rosamund is, oh my God, she's so My seventh, seventh, I rank everything. Seventh favorite performance of the decade for me. I thought it was an amazing, I know, maybe that's too much, but I, I, again, I don't want to spoil too much. It's, it's Fincher's highest grossing film, um, it was a movie that <laughs> I remember just now, oh man, I remember just like, <laughs> I just remember my, my, my jaw staying dropped for a solid five minutes. I, oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. my 10th favorite movie of all time. It's in my top 10. Um, just everything about the movie. If you've never seen it, um, it's on FX. Um, you can stream it. Um, not, not a great way to watch movies, especially an R rated movie. So try to get the original one, but it's there if you want to watch it. But that is a movie that I think, um, man, you'll have a, it's a, it's a thrill ride and you didn't think it was going to be a thrill ride going into it. So great murder mystery movie. So that's your that's number four. That's, time. What, that was is your, my, what was your number three, my, I guess? Well, no, yeah, well you, I, I went first, I think. So I think, so, so my number three is, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Um, does that constitute, that's, see, no, that's, I, that's another one where I feel like we're, I, I we get know. resolution. We get resolution. How is that not a murder mystery? I doesn't. I don't. I, I I don't view that movie through a mystery prism. But but look, this is a genre open for interpretation. That's just not where I where I slot that movie. I love that movie. It's a phenomenal movie. Um, well, I I recently last summer I sat down and just watched everything Hannibal Lecter, and because uh, I just realized as an adult I've never consumed any of it, and it's it's. I mean, my God, it's a it's a masterpiece. I say murder mystery, and I'm gonna keep it like that that way. Um, <laughs> I love it, Jodie Foster, great performance. Anthony Hopkins. Um, it, it's you know Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins, and I almost 
I don't have the exact number. I want to say he's on screen for a total of 11 minutes. It's something ridiculous, but it's he kind of just takes the movie, runs with it, with not doing much. Um, her chase of Buffalo Bill is my favorite part of, I guess, a murder type mystery type run. I compare it to, I compare it to Seven, which I, I guess is on your list. I, I that's kind of a murder mystery in the sense of they're chasing that guy, they're chasing a certain character, and I think. There, she's doing the same here. So, Silence of the Lambs is a movie that um, you can blame my parents for. My mom always loved that movie, so she was like, I love this movie. You need to watch it. So, she showed it to me, I think, I was in sixth grade. Um, so, oh, that's, no. on, that's on her. That but is, I, that's on her. <laughs> but I loved it, and I didn't. I haven't really committed any crimes close to any of that. So, I think I, I, I turned out <laughs> okay. But, um, <laughs> definitely one of my more favorite. Murder slash, I don't, thrillers. I don't know how you want to classify it. Well, You're number three. You're- it's funny you bring that up. So my number three favorite murder mystery is L.A. Confidential. Oh, which yes. Is just, hey, which, is just, yes. which is just such a fun movie. L.A. Confidential uh, falls in the middle of one of the great runs uh, in Hollywood history. And I'm referring to Russell Crowe's run. Uh, this is smack dab in the middle of it. He plays a hothead detective in 50s L.A., just capturing that noir genre so perfectly. You've got performances all over the place. You've got Danny DeVito in there. You've got uh, Guy Pearce in there. I mean, there's there are some great performances in this movie. And I, I don't know. I feel like that, that genre um, of sort of the 50s neo-noir. Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah. L.A. Uh, crime story isn't done very well very often. And L.A. Confidential is... Is the best one of those movies. I not a big public enemies it. fan. Um, well, I actually no, I'm not. I'm not totally joking. <laughs> um, I was disappointed with Public Enemies. Um, Everybody was. But uh, yeah, L.A. Confidential. If you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. You just may even mention Kevin Spacey, or we're just not mentioning him now. I, I, I mean, if you want to talk about Kevin Spacey, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> no, I just it was a fun movie. I, again, more twists in that movie, and that was a that was a blast. Um, and I just, I, Russell Crowe, I, I remember I bought that. So I, I bought that movie at Best Buy because it was $3 on Blu-ray and I'd never seen it. I was like, it's $3. I'll buy it. I just didn't expect it to be as fun as it was. I had a Oh my God. It's so much fun. I kind of was got, like, okay, just murder mystery, young, but it was just got, fun. You've got young, angry, pissed off Russell Crowe and it's so great. His energy, the entire movie is just like. It's phenomenal. It's electric. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching it and you're just like, uh, you can't take your eyes off him whenever he's on the screen. Um, so did, did I, I already touched on your number two, didn't I? Is, no, you did so not. Well, we, I did. But, What's your number two? No, we, but we're going to, it's maybe I'll get flack for this, but we already talked about it enough. So I don't really need to go into it. It's knives out. I love knives out that much. Wow. I, I, wow. I like, I, if, if I were going to rewatch murder mysteries, I would choose it over usual suspects. I'd choose it over, um, Silence of the Lambs, I would choose it over Zodiac. I loved Knives Out that much. I think it is the definition of whodunit. Um, Clue is a fun game. I thought the Clue movie stunk, in my opinion, years ago, whatever. But I think Knives Out. And you ever want to watch a whodunit murder mystery type? Point the finger here, point the finger there, take a guess, take a guess, take a stab in the dark, whatever. It's Knives Out. I love Knives Out that much. It'll be one of my favorite movies of the year, and in this genre... I, just, I can't really see myself 
having I can't really see there being a more fun movie than that in, in this type genre. And again, just it's the quintessential who done it. So Knives Out loved it that much. Knives Out number two. All right. I already gave my number two, so I'll hop to my number one. And uh, so you touched on why you thought Silence of the Lambs was a murder mystery. The thing that takes away the murder mystery element of Silence of the Lambs for me is Buffalo Bill's perspective and how you are given Buffalo Bill's perspective. Okay, that's fair. How you spend time with Buffalo Bill. And you you may be watching Jodie Foster hot on his heels, but I just put that more in like a, a, a thriller category. Uh, but, you can, but you compared it to Seven, which is my all-time favorite murder mystery. And I think the difference between those movies is the element of the unknown and is the element of, for one, uh, we've talked about how this genre is, is, is definitely one to go to for twist. Uh, seven, one of the great sort of uh, mind-boggling movie moments, uh, so much to the point that whenever the film was screened initially, uh, all of the feedback was negative. I can all imagine of, why. All of the feedback <laughs> was negative. Uh, they couldn't get test audiences to like it. And Fincher, being Fincher, refused to change anything. So the studio is just terrified because, well, wait a second. Like, audiences aren't responding to this. But what Fincher's argument was, yes, they are. They're just not responding to it in a way that you would like. They are responding, and they have strong opinions about it. But... You go and watch Seven, it's really the first time that Fincher in his career is, uh, in my opinion, given sort of full free reign. He's, he made a couple films in the 90s that uh, really stuck with people, including uh, Fight Club, uh, including The Game. Uh, but uh, that movie right there, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, just some great performances. Uh, and again, an all-time twist. Another movie that I guess just Kevin Spacey just can't stay out of this genre. And maybe that's, that's probably a reason why you love Kevin, uh, his work so much. Is it's just he's always finds his way around really good, appealing work. And, um, I think he's just good. Giving you some more backstory <laughs> on Seven, you know, the studio did everything in their power to keep Kevin Spacey's involvement in the movie not known. So, at, so as you were watching it as an audience member, you didn't know he was in the movie. He wasn't marketed. It wasn't advertised. At first, he didn't even have credit. It wasn't. It wasn't a credited role. That's how. That's how tight-lipped they wanted to keep this performance, uh, so the audience just simply wouldn't know. Uh, and I remember watching it for the first time as a teenager, and I'm insane. I recognize Kevin Spacey's voice, but I imagine the the casual audience member probably didn't. And it was still a twist for me because I was like, "Wait, is that Kevin Spacey?" Because even on the box now, like it won't. It, the box I have doesn't have his name on it. So, I mean, even now, there's a certain amount of mystery even surrounding the movie, just going into it if you've never seen it. Um, Seven, again, David Fincher, top of his game. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. As with all of these things we're giving you on this list, I know we're each giving top fives and we share a lot of the same taste, so you might be getting seven different movies when it's all said and done. Uh, If you like these genres you're going to like these movies. So if you haven't checked them out, go check them out. Because, yeah. I, uh, they're worth your time. You mentioned seven. It's seven was number six on my list. I was trying to, I was trying to find a way to put it in, but I just, I, I kind of th- think about rewatchability and it's one of these movies that like, <laughs> I almost don't want to watch. 
a lot because I, I think it's a type of scary. I think we've discussed the type of scary. I will say it is all over Best Buy in those $4 bins on Blu-ray. So go buy it. I bought the movie. It's a great movie. Um, you know, the, I'm try, I don't want to give up too much because it's like you mentioned why they tried to keep Spacey's involvement, you know, shut down with it. Um, just a great movie. Um, I think it's it's some of Brad Pitt. It's one of Brad Pitt's best roles. Um, I know that's probably unpopular to you, but I maybe may, might not be. I think it's one of Brad Pitt's better better roles. Um, it's a film he's most proud of, which I find that crazy. Um, but hey, it was that good, I guess. But I mean, also just look at Fincher, man. I mean, another movie I wanted to put on this list was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I mean, just man. I mean, for me personally, movies that I don't want to revisit, as much as I love Fincher, that's one of his that I just uh, have a hard time revisiting because of the subject matter. Uh, no, no, that's it, completely understandable, but I just, man, I, I, I could go on all day for with uh, David Fincher. But Look, I, seven, I, know, okay. I know you could, and I know I could, and I think we have. This has been a long ass episode of this it's been fun of this podcast it's been it's been a blast but uh if you've somehow made it to this point we'll we'll put you out of your misery um so kind of looking ahead uh again we're moving towards the end of the year a lot of good movies are coming out there's a lot of things we talked about that were nominated we haven't seen yet we're gonna watch and we're gonna get back to you with some opinions uh but uh this was another this was fun maybe a little bit too much fun maybe a little too long i don't know you got a problem with it talk to my lawyer talk to andrew's lawyer my I, lawyer is, is ray, ray Liotta. Liotta. yeah yes, mine's, mine's, laura dern. Mine. mine's laura dern so they'll Lucky fight you. about it they'll, <laughs> they'll fight about it in court uh, so yeah this has been another episode of take two with wesley and andrew we'll see you guys next time this is a story about billy joe and bobby sue two young lovers with Please.